Greetings, everybody, and welcome to a very peculiar episode of Duckies and Dargons. My name is Mayhem, and as always, I will... Well, I'm not going to be your DM for today. Instead, I'm going to be your narrator, because this is going to be a much shorter episode, and I'm all alone for it today. If you tuned in to our most recent episode, Exile, then you'll have joined us in seeing through the conclusion of the first Vardorian Blood War, and the signing of the Vanorn Exile Agreement. A 24-hour period of history that acts as the foundation for the current socio-political climate that the main campaign finds itself in now. In the concluding moments of exile, we saw the convening of the first Vardorian summit, the gathering of the old society tribal leaders under a single banner, united in grief, bloodshed, and the need for a common cause, peace. During the summit, the issues of societal revolution were put forth, the need for the tribes to come together in unity to create an overarching populace while still retaining their identity. Yorick the Black, having shown dominance on the field of battle and courageous leadership, made the bid for society to crown him the first king of Vardor. A bid of which stirred unrest in members of the summit, but trust within others. Through his pleading and negotiating, a narrowly successful vote was held that resulted in the first monarch of Vardor being crowned. Though it was not immediately that King Yorick the Black sat upon his throne, that would not happen for nearly five years after his crowning. The immediate goal after the summit in the first years was a year of rest. Soldiers returned home, hugged their loved ones, laid comrades to rest whom had fallen on the field of battle during the conflict, attempted to rebuild the damages made to their homelands. And only after that 12-month period ended, a call to arms was released far and wide across the newly established kingdom for all ta talented sorcerers, wizards, druids, and other proficient others that are proficient in the arcane arts to flood to Zyuria's very center, so that they may rapidly begin the construction process of building the society that the world lives in today. Mountain loads of stone and earth were moved in such a finite amount of time that it would appear that a millennia worth of natural evolution had occurred in the blink of an eye. Cities were formed, rivers etched into the lands, forests sprung into existence within weeks. And over the course of three years, Bardor was completely transformed by the most gifted arcanists known to the world. In lieu of such radical transformations came the need for social development. Cities moved away from thatch houses to brick and mortar homes. Fences and spiked walls were abandoned for towering walls of stone. Gone were the days of trade by bartering as miners and quarrymen delved into the very core of the earth to find silver, gold, copper, platinum and jewels. Worth in such an abundance that the economy had no difficulty shifting towards a new form of currency. Trading families were established in mere moments, with the already wealthy seizing the opportunity to purchase ships, carts, and other vessels, and becoming the first to lay claim to the trading routes of the seas. King Yorick's reign was one of perpetual readiness. The readiness you would see in the eyes of a man who was determined that a fight was coming at a moment's notice. 
His distrust of the Venorans in order to honor the exile agreement fueled what some close to him viewed as a paranoia, whereas others called it caution. Among the first of Yorick's acts was, as king, was the gathering of his most trusted advisors, Ivar the Loyal, whom was promoted to commander of the Vardorian military. Second was Lord Marius Starborn, Yorick's most trusted religious and arcane advisor who shone brighter in their power than any other sorcerer he had ever known, and was not only essential in establishing the society we have today, but was a key figure in Yorick's upbringing. Lord Starborn was granted the title of Grand Seer, the emissary to the gods themselves. Following this came years of trusted rule. Vardor saw in their king the strong arm that was needed to keep rivaling tribes together and to help quell conflicts long before they arose. And conflict did come. In the first decade that Yorick sat upon the throne, no less than 20 small upscale uprisings, all of them were quashed under the reign of their new king. Yorick kept his word to the skeptics, those that challenged his validity to rule, those that voted against him at the summit some years back. And he held those responsible by trying them through the court system established by those under his power. And only when necessary did he intervene in judicial matters. Matters which if the court could not decide, required royal assent. The rest of King Yorick's reign was one of humility, peace, and prosperity. He ruled happily watching the world that he loved recover and begin to grow before he passed away of old age and succeeded the throne to his only daughter, Tora, who, in her father's stead, took up the throne at an exceedingly young age and began her own rule, though it would be vastly different than that of her predecessor. Ladies and gentlemen, I know this has been an exceptionally short little piece of content for you. I want to say thank you very much for sticking in and listening to this mini episode of Duckies and Dargons. This session was compiled of details that, in the heat of the moment, I completely forgot to relay to you in the final moments of the exile session. And hopefully, any holes that were created at the end of that session have been filled in. Thank you very much for supporting the podcast. You have no idea how much it means to us. We'll pick up next time back with the Disaster Trio and we see how their journey continues in the present day. Thank you very much. Stay happy. Stay healthy. Stay safe. But above all else, be humble. <laughs>